0: Coming up on the Get Lean, EClean Clean podcast. But there's other regenerative treatments as well. Like, for example, uh, TED, transepidermal delivery, which uses growth factors and peptides, which are non-pharmaceutical. And we push those through the skin using ultrasonic sound waves, which break up the skin layers that are normally protective and uh, barrier to moisture. We dysregulate that moisture barrier, push, them, push those uh, serums through the skin, and we can get a very, very nice hair growth effect without having to use any needles. So TED is pretty exciting. That's a no drama, no trauma, as we say, uh, type of treatment.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Get Lean, e Clean podcast. I'm Brian Grinn, and I'm here to give you actionable tips to get your body back to what it once was 5, 10, even 15 years ago. Each week, I'll give you an in-depth interview with a health expert from around the world to cut through the fluff and get you long-term sustainable results. This week, I interviewed Dr. Alan Bauman. He's the founder and CEO of Bowman Medical, an international leading treatment center in the field of hair restoration. He's been at the forefront of exploring the connection between hair loss and biohacking. We discussed some of the main causes of hair loss in both men and women, lifestyle habits to help prevent hair loss, latest advancements in hair restoration, supplements for strong hair, and much, much more. Really enjoyed my interview with Dr. Bowman. I know you will too. Thanks so much for listening and enjoy the show. All right, welcome to the Get Lean E Clean podcast. My name is Brian Grin, and I have on the show Dr. Alan Bauman. Welcome to the show. Hey Brian, great to be here with you. Yeah, great to have you on. Uh, just learned you're from the you're or not from originally, but you're in the Boca area in Florida, and um, yeah. top hair restoration surgeon. Um, what made you? What led you down that path?
0: Well, you know, yeah, no one's ever born into the world of hair transplant surgery, and certainly I didn't think that um, I was – knew any, I really didn't know anything about hair transplantation until many, many years into my career, but my career in medicine, uh, if you ask my grandmother, she probably would have said, uh, when did Alan decide he wanted to go to medical school? If you asked her, she probably would have said, the day he was born,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and so uh, it was kind of a preordained thing, I guess, and maybe an arranged marriage, but at least I was good at um, – you know science and math enough to to pursue the career and, and obviously I had a lot of encouragement through my family uh, to continue to do that and I, and I always loved helping people so it was just kind of a natural thing uh, but I did have the unique opportunity when I was a uh, really before I had a chance to drive a car when I was a teenager I met a very prominent plastic surgeon in New York City and he invited me to watch him operate and that had a huge impact on my direction uh, in terms of you know what I wanted to do with my life he showed me really the artistic end of surgery as a plastic and reconstructive surgeon. I thought that's what I was always going to do. And it wasn't until I went many, many years later into internship residency and surgery, and then eventually uh, met a patient who had had a hair transplant. Mm -hmm. And I thought that all hair transplants, like most people probably think that it's pluggy or painful. Like, why would you ever do that? And at the time in the mid-1990s, you know, plugs were kind of the rule, like grafty looking results, but this guy's results looked amazing. And so uh, it really fooled me, actually. We had an a interesting conversation about that, uh, how he chose the surgeon he chose and where he went, and from a layman's point of view, the technology, which was single follicle implantation. And I took a strong look at his hairline and, and really was interested is it, to learn more. And that kind of started me on my journey. But l- I would say looking back, probably one of the more important things that I remember about that conversation was how he said that the hair really changed his life and the impact that it had on him, both socially and professionally kind of stuck with me that, and it kind of gave me that fuel to, to look into it further. Um, in addition to the other things I was doing in, in in the world of cosmetic procedures and treatments, Mm. Yeah, and- So that was, uh, you know, almost 30 years ago now. Right. Um, I did, uh, a, a, a fellowship or actually a preceptorship in hair transplantation after visiting many, many clinics around the world and going to conferences and reading all I could, and eventually decided to go into hair restoration full tilt, hundred percent as a specialist at that time and moved to Boca Raton, uh, really in the, in 1997 to open up the practice to exclusively perform hair transplant surgery. And so, um, you know, it's, it's been a great journey. I've treated over 33,000 patients, performed over 12,000 surgeries, uh, done over 13,000, uh, regenerative treatments like PRP and such. So it's a fun practice to have. And we change lives every day.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And, uh, what would you say some of the biggest things that you've learned through the, all the, all the, the, the patients that you've treated throughout the years and the surgery you've done, what are some of the biggest things you've learned? Wow. Um,
0: Well, probably one of the most important things I've learned is just how emotional the hair follicle is, right? And what I mean by that is the effect that it can have on a person. Um, Whether you're a man or a woman of any age, uh, you know, we have teenagers dealing with alopecia spots. We have young men dealing with male pattern hair loss. We have women who are uh, dealing with PCOS uh, and losing their hair traumatically. Obviously, more recently, we're dealing with covid and of course, medications and, and uh, menopause and, and all the other things that you can imagine that dysregulate the hair follicle. Um, and we can spend hours and hours talking about all of the, you know, the, the different little microregulations regulations that happen uh, at a cellular level. But, you know, I like to always just take a step back and realize that, you know, when someone's losing their hair, they're losing a part of something that they typically liked and that they want to keep. And if they've lost it, they definitely want to restore. So, um you know, hair, like I said, if you're having a bad hair day, you know what that means. You know, that's a pretty common, uh, you know, uh, well-known phrase in our world. And uh, when somebody says to you, I'm having a bad hair day, wow, look out, don't, uh, don't come messing around. <laughs> but, um, and so that tells you on the flip side, you know, when you restore someone's hair, what I've learned is that it can really make an incredible change um, in people's lives, making them feel more confident, look more beautiful, look more uh, resilient and youthful and just more vital overall. And uh, I'm included in that. I, I love my hair. I want to keep my hair. And so I'm, I'm on that bandwagon too. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that's what we do here day in and day out at Bauman Medical. We you know, we help patients look good and feel great by helping them maintain, enhance, and, and restore their own living and growing hair, no matter how minor uh, it is, if they're at risk for hair loss, or if they've had severe hair loss through an autoimmune condition or an injury or trauma, um, you know, or simple uh, hereditary causes or, or metabolic disorders. So
1: What would you say uh, some of the main causes of hair loss are?
0: Well, the number one cause that we see in the practice really is genetic. So there's always some genetic predisposition. And, you know, we can see male pattern hair loss from across the room, right? It starts with a receding hairline maybe a thinning in the crown and that gradual miniaturization of the hair follicles lead to baldness and you could lose all of your hair across the top. Uh, right? My dad went bald when he was in his thirties. and um, But in female hair loss, even though it's also has a strong hereditary component, typically sparing the hair in the back of the scalp, it can really thin out the frame of the face and especially the front and center can start to weaken. But it's a little bit more of a diffuse hair loss in the beginning stages although it can get more severe and recede the hairline as well later on. Um, So hereditary causes are the primary thing that we see. But as I think we talked uh, maybe before we got started, that hair follicles are very, very sensitive to your body's metabolism. They're very sensitive to your nutrient and fuel intake. They're very sensitive to inflammation. And so if you have inflammation on the scalp, that could definitely aggressively Uh, uh, cause the hair loss process that you have to progress faster and more profoundly over a short period of time. You know, if you are depleting yourself of nutrients and fuel, um, either in a weight loss program, uh, you know, purposefully, or maybe you realize that now that there's something missing in your diet, like adequate protein or something like that, you know, that could really affect those highly metabolic organs, which are the hair follicles that produce the hair fiber. Right, so hair fibers are dead. The follicles are alive. The fibers are like three D printers. They make the hair fiber that we see and touch and style and cut and all that business.
1: And and speaking of just lifestyle, um, like lifestyle changes, could people make or or are there certain things that maybe could help? I'm obviously, I like you said, it's probably a lot a lot of genetics involved. But like, what other things could people do just lifestyle wise to help with uh, prevent hair loss? <clears throat>
0: Well, uh, you know, obviously stay resilient, stay healthy. Um, you know, we've seen so much, for example, you know, COVID related hair loss, right? So if you're, whether you're having a, 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 you know, surgical operation in a hospital or you're dealing with a a, a, a dramatic infection in your body, you know, that can really dysregulate the hair follicle. So keeping your immunity, uh, up to speed and supported is, is good. And of course, you know, there's lots of ways to do that, uh, including supplements and such, uh, making sure that your scalp is healthy so if you have itchy dry flaky oily you know some kind of scalp uh, health issue, some symptom up there uh you definitely want to get that checked out and so for example i have a full-time trichology department run by my uh trichologist kimberly here in the practice to help patients who are dealing with scalp health issues and that's a huge part of the practice because nearly 50 percent of people at one time or another are going to be dealing with some scalp health situation and so there's, you know, the scalp has its own microbiome, uh, the amount of sebum or oil that your scalp produces can change with age, and that could necessitate a change in your hair care regimen, your styling, and all these things can cause uh, a unique environment, which may not necessarily be so great for hair growth. Hmm. So definitely want to get that checked out. Um, So I always encourage patients, you know, men or women, especially uh, women going through perimenopause or menopause who might be experiencing some hair thinning uh, to get a full workup. You know, we do a complete medical history and biomarkers and such to see what's going on. And our male patients too, we always want to know what's happening, you know, at a cellular level and our biomarkers and DNA testing and things like that can certainly help elucidate if there's some underlying causes of hair loss or if the hair loss doesn't, fit a certain pattern, right? We talked about receding hairline, thinning crown. If the hair loss is looking different than that, then we need to figure out why.
1: Gotcha. And then what about um I know there's supplement industries like probably overcrowded with different, you know, treatments for for whatever hair loss and things like that. Are there certain supplements that you see that might be more effective than others?
0: Well, you know, I do think supplementation is important in this day and age. I really think our nutrient fuel intake is uh, dramatically, um, you know, poor and and depleted of of good quality nutrients and fuel. And uh, I think it's I think it's very important to maintain a good supplement regimen considering what's a- available out there, you know, and I'm not just talking about fast food restaurants, which is just, you know, the worst processed food you could eat. But, um, you know, even stuff you find in the supermarket can sometimes be, uh, you know, not so good for your health, obviously. And uh, and as we said, hair is an important barometer of that. So I've actually developed my own hair care uh, products, specifically a wellness system for hair supplement line to kind of hit the main points. So a lot of people don't take, especially young men, for example, they may not take necessarily multivitamins. So I want to make sure they get a good multivitamin B complex and things like that. Um, protein intake, we mentioned before, that's the fuel that is going to build the hair fiber. So you want to make sure that your protein intake is adequate. And so I'm not saying you need to be like, you know, a carnivore keto guy, but you know, you want to make sure your protein is right on point. And uh, especially if you are a vegan or vegetarian that you, you know, be mindful of that, that, that's one of the most common things that we see that, that people are vegan, vegetarian, they are undernourished and, uh, and they're not going to you know build good hair fiber typically, and they're not going to heal as well from surgery. And so that's important. If you need a hair transplant, you definitely want to build up your protein intake. So we do have collagen protein. Obviously that's not a vegan option, but collagen is part of it. Biotin, everybody kind of born with the knowledge that B7, uh, vitamin H can help with hair. It's not a miracle cure. And none of these supplements are really miracles, but they're foundational, right? They, the follicles are engines, right? They're, they're many organs. They're trying to do things, uh, you know, with that nutrient and fuel supply to build that hair fiber. So decreasing inflammation, maybe with some herbs and some other supplements, um, you know, adding to that regimen with, uh, you know, other things like ashwagandha to decrease the effects of stress, which stress cortisol, the cortisol hormone, you know, very, very detrimental to the hair follicle, prolonged exposure. Um, So those are some of the things that we have in the wellness system for hair. It's under the Bauman MD line uh, you know, for your listeners now on Amazon, I guess, (laughs) but, um, you know, I can give you some additional information. So the, 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 the wellness system for hair is the uh, foundational nutritionals. And then we have a hair care product line, which also has some hair growth products in it as well. But those are not magical miracle cures. We have to get into medications. We have to get into laser light therapy. We have to get into regenerative medicine if we're really going to protect and enhance hair follicle function. So that, those would be the next steps.
1: And what would you say, what are some of the latest advancements in hair restoration?
0: Well, uh, latest advancements come in a couple of different uh, flavors, I guess. So there's advancements in the non-surgical treatments, right? So these regenerative treatments that we have that we do in the office. We have a much more sophisticated method of applying, for example, PRP, platelet-rich plasma you know, that's a treatment that you get if you have a tennis elbow, you know, you can can put PRP in there and it'll help it. Uh, If you've got a bum knee uh, and it's not not bone on bone yet, you can do PRP there. PRP for the scalp with the appropriate amount of platelets and concentration can really get a regenerative effect as long as the follicles are not dead and gone. And so we found 10 to 12 billion platelets per treatment is really the magical dose, the sweet spot, if you will, for for hair growth and, and also for wound healing after hair transplants. But there's other regenerative treatments as well. Like for example, uh, Ted transepidermal delivery, which uses growth factors and peptides, which are non-pharmaceutical. And we push those through the skin using ultrasonic sound waves, which break up the skin layers that are normally protective and uh, barrier to moisture. We dysregulate that moisture barrier, push them, push those uh, serums through the skin. And we can get a very, very nice hair growth effect without having to use any needles. So Ted is pretty exciting. That's a no drama, no trauma, as they say, uh, type of treatment
1: well, how long uh, have you got to come into the office? Yeah. How long has that been going on? How long have you been doing that for?
0: Oh, so Ted is about uh, at least two years old already. Uh, a lot of the research was done in your neighborhood in Chicagoland area during the pandemic. Uh, we were one of the first to be qualified to provide that for patients here in North America. And uh, I've uh, lectured on that topic, presented on that topic in our pilot studies uh, internationally, actually. And so, and actually I'm slated to to present again within the next couple of weeks uh, internationally on the effects of TED. We've had a really profound uh, response in terms of hair growth with the TED procedure.
1: Hmm. And that's um, what does TED stand for again?
0: TED is trans epidermal delivery, and it uses uh, a technique called sonophoresis. Sonophoresis has been around. You know, for many, many decades, I'm talking like since the 1960s, I think, or even, maybe even before, orthopedic uh, surgeons used to use what they called phonophoresis, which are sound waves to push corticosteroids in and around the knee for inflammation, right? Um, so there's this kind of technique has been around, but not with the growth factors and peptides that we now know stimulate hair regrowth. Hmm. So it's this magical combination of the, the technique of applying it without having to do an injection and then, you know, using these growth factors and peptides right on the scalp uh, that are potent, you know, like uh, fibroblast growth factor, uh, vascular endothelial growth factor, VEGF, and using copper peptide uh, and uh, thymus and beta-4 derivatives and things like that. Very, very powerful uh, growth factors and peptides as long, along with amino acids and such in, the, uh, in that treatment. So you got to come in for that treatment into the office. It takes about an hour less than an hour, maybe half hour, um, uh, once a month for four months to really see some improvements.
1: That's what I was going to ask if it's an ongoing treatment. So typically four months of treatment.
0: Four months. And then, uh, you know, we let it grow. Obviously, you know, we know that, for example, our PRP treatments in contrast uh, with a single treatment, 10 to 12 billion platelets, we're going to get about a year's worth of growth out of that 10 to 14 months. With TED, it's a little bit more unknown because we just don't have as many patients through that process yet. But stay tuned. We're tracking everybody. So we'll know, you know, do we need to repeat that package of uh, series, if you will, before the end of the year or do people last a full year or longer? I think a lot of it depends on some of the other therapies that they might be doing, you know, pharmaceutical interventions, laser light, as we mentioned before, uh, or even hair transplantation, of course. Mm.
1: And then what would you say uh, some of the like misconceptions around hair restoration are?
0: I think uh, probably the biggest misconception still remains, even the one that I had almost 30 years ago, is that hair transplants don't look right, that they don't look natural in some way, shape or form. Um, that they're either pluggy looking or the hairlines aren't normal or natural, the hair doesn't grow in the right direction. And of course, that depends on the technique, right? Uh, Or that they're very painful and invasive. And of course, that's not the case as well. So with the newer techniques, we can take the individual grafts now, one at a time from the back of the scalp, without having to remove a strip of skin like the days of old. So there's no stitches or staples anymore with this newer technology. Mm -hmm. Um, Of course, it's not equally distributed, but, uh, you know, there are many... Uh, practices out there that still perform the old style linear harvest and, that, and that's okay that's what they're good at but you know for over 15 years uh we haven't taken a strip procedure we haven't taken a strip harvest in any procedure we only do what we call fue follicular unit extraction and so that gives me unique control over the angle the orientation the position of every graft every follicle therefore that goes into the scalp so using an artistic eye we can create a hairline that's soft and wavy it's not a straight line or a wall of hair. You know, you can get those, uh, you know, if you travel, uh, you know, to foreign countries, <laughs> certainly. Uh, there's a lot of that going on. But usually the, those results are pretty bizarre looking. They're not normal, natural hairlines. We want to create a hairline that is undetectably natural, something that doesn't look like it was contrived. And that's, you know, again, the technology of a no scalpel, no stitch harvesting. So there's no linear scar left to hide. And then the artistry in terms of hairline design and the implantation techniques to create the final result, so that it blends and looks normal. It doesn't look weird. So I think that's a very common misconception. And also the pain control right now is, is exceptional. I mean, most patients after the procedure, they don't even, they don't need a narcotic pain pill. Most patients will take a Tylenol or Motrin at night. And that's really the end of it. Back in the gym in three days, Crusting is done in a week, and they're back to regular routine very quick.
1: And how long would you say they have to wait to see some, some hair growth come in?
0: Great question. So right after the healing is done, which is about a week or so, the skin is back to normal and the stubble we've been planted is shed. So you don't see anything for months on end. It takes about four to five months to start to see a little bit of growth coming in and it happens slowly. It's not like all the grass in the yard comes up at the same time. You know, mm-hmm. it happens little by little over time. And what you'll see is by six months, you'll see about 50% of the final result, but it takes a full year to grow to 95%. So it is kind of a slow growing process, but remember, those transplanted follicles are now going to be relatively permanent. They're going to be unaffected by male pattern or female pattern hair loss. And whether we're putting them in the bald spot or the hairline, they'll live and grow there lasting. They're, they'll be there for a long, long, long time for sure.
1: Hmm. Uh, I'm curious. I, we talk a lot about routines on this podcast. Like I'm a big morning and evening routine guy. I'm curious just your, your lifestyle and, and what type of routines have you implemented into your life?
0: Oh, for me personally, well, yeah. well, aside from my hair care and uh, scalp care <laughs> routine, you know, which I do like for my patients to tie to their circadian rhythm, by the way, uh, we actually developing an app for that. Um, that'll be based around my hair coaching program. So we'll have some a uh, hair coach app that you mm-hmm. could have in your pocket that will help track your sleep, help you get better sleep. So we reduce your stress, but also create that regimen because oftentimes treatments for hair, for example, are done in the evening and in the morning. And so like before bed, it might remind you to use your laser light device, uh, take your medications, whether it's finasteride or minoxidil. And then in the morning, remind you again, for whatever, you know, it is that your routine might be. Uh, now me personally, um, m- you know, my routine on weekdays starts pretty early 5 AM. Uh, you know, I'm up and at it. And, um, you know, I start out usually with a green drink, um, uh, and then, uh, coffee basically, um, don't really have a, a uh, a breakfast meal other than the, that green drink. And then usually I'll have my first snack at somewhere between one and two o'clock. So, uh, having, you know, fasted really overnight from about seven or eight o'clock at night. So mostly a sixteen eight window is kind of what I'm looking at. Um, most days, um, you know, but um, it, it just varies uh, on the weekends, kind of anything goes, you know, if it's uh, I want to be more social, then obviously, you know, uh, a brunch may be included in the weekend activities. Um, but I'm at the office by six o'clock. We operate every day, Monday through Friday, usually handling one to three cases per day, in addition to the full cohort of, of consults and surgery consults and follow ups that we do um, but I also have some help. I have uh, my team of surgical technicians who will assist me with these long and uh, labor-intensive procedures, these labors of love, as we say.
1: How long do the procedures practice- normally take? Yeah. Oh.
0: Well, patients are usually in the office for a surgical procedure during the day, about six to eight hours, um, you know, in the chair. And then there's breaks for lunch and restroom and such. Uh, we give them some snacks and so forth. You can watch some movies, listen to music. Uh, by the end of the day, you know, the team might be doing some karaoke. It just depends. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but it's a pretty comfortable day. The uh, you know most most of our professionals are pretty psyched to have like you know a day where they just have to sit and do nothing, um, you know, not have to worry about much. Uh, you can answer obviously text messages on your phone or watch something on an iPad if you want. But we've got you know big TV LCD screens in the operating rooms and such for comfort.
1: Mm. Very cool, very but, cool. so
0: many some cases actually go multiple days, so they might go two to three days long, depending on whether we 're harvesting just beard or scalp and or scalp and beard as well because we do use a lot of beard in the practice. Um, a lot of our patients have had depleted density from their donor zone from old style procedures performed elsewhere and are looking for a uh, an alternative source of donor and so one of my specialties is using beard uh, transplantation, taking the beard follicles and applying those into the scalp and where appropriately, uh, needed to increase density and coverage up there.
1: Interesting. Um, awesome. And, and uh, awesome. yeah, go ahead. I
0: was mm-hmm. just going to say, you know, some of the other specialty cases that we handle, eyebrow transplantation is a big part of the practice, both for men and women. Eyebrows frame the eye make you look younger. Um, for women, uh, an aesthetic shape to the eyebrows, obviously very, very important for framing the eye and the face. And then eyelash transplants are also a big part of the practice, uh, probably one of the only surgeons in North America that routinely does eyelash transplantation on a regular basis.
1: Interesting. And you and uh, Bauman Medical Group, and you're in, um, De, uh, sorry, Boca, right?
0: <laughs> Correct. Well, Bauman Medical was established in Boca. Uh, I, I came down to Boca in 1997 uh, to build the practice, to start the office. And uh, we've been in Boca Raton for over 25 years.
1: And if you were going to give a this question I ask a lot of guests, if you were going to give one tip to an individual and they were looking to get, let's just say their body or their mind back to what it once was, what what would you what one tip would you give that individual?
0: Their body or mind? Well, I think, uh, you know, some people ask, well, what's your favorite biohack doc? And I have to say gratitude is the number one thing. I mean, it's free. Um, you know, it sometimes takes some practice if you're not used to being thankful for things. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, here in uh, our part of the world in America, we have a day for Thanksgiving. And so, you know, that's a day of gratitude, but I think it, you know, part of my routine that you asked about was, um, you know being mindful about gratitude at least once or twice a day would be a good, smart way to start things. Um, of course, I sleep hack. I mean, you know, I've been wearing an aura ring for five years, I got the third gen uh aura ring. I'm really keen on trying to fix my sleep, I think it, it helps in so many different areas of my life. Uh, I try to protect my sleep very well. I try to, um, you know, wind down, get out, get off and away from screens, uh, appropriately after dark, if I can not always so help, not always so possible, you know, in the modern age of, of running a business and presenting internationally and things like that. But I do my very, very best to try to protect sleep. I think, and I encourage my patients to do the same. I think it's really important for health and wellness, uh, for mental function, physical function and recovery. I mean, if our bodies can recover better, then we're going to perform better, and we'll be able to stretch and even uh, enhance our abilities both m- mentally physically and 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 hopefully you know put more uh you know not just uh, years in our life but more life in our years you know
1: yeah no i love that i mean prioritizing sleep is like <laughs> probably the number one principle i'd say that most of the time we talk about on this podcast so <laughs> wow. yeah that that, that resonates uh, a ton um well this was great yeah go ahead
0: I was going to say my sleep hero is Matthew Walker. You know, he's always been able to uh, clarify, elucidate how important sleep is. And I feel like, you know, having been a surgical resident, you know, in my early stages of the career and working 140 hours a week and all of that, that may have had a, a strong impact and really accelerating aging, even though, you know, we were more resilient at that age when we started. Right. Um, you know, I think that had a, a strong impact on my ability to kind of wind it down. So I don't, I don't know what the permanent effects of that were or are, or if I was just, you know, genetically programmed, maybe not to sleep as well as somebody else, but <clears throat> definitely something that I try to work on.
1: Yeah. and And like you said, winding down, getting away from screens a few hours before bed, I mean, those are, those are, those are big. And even some type of meditative practice, it it doesn't have to be a long meditation, right? Like 10 minutes can, can, can help as well.
0: Absolutely. Internally, you know, focusing your, your stuff internally, you know, maybe shutting out the world for just a moment. And like, like you said, you know, six or 12 minutes, I mean, can really reset, uh, your system. And, you know, and I would, I would certainly encourage breath work, uh, with that meditation to kind of reset the mode. You know, I think that's probably the quickest way to change your mode. Uh, you know, from from activity to relaxation. You know, is just is breath work, really?
1: And I notice on your, um, I don't know, there's a website or your 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 one pager. You got Dave Asprey on. There's that someone that you've met through the years, or just.
0: Oh, yeah. So, uh, Dave Asprey, uh, I've been a a big fan of Dave uh, since 2016. Uh, We met at the American Academy of Anti Aging. Uh, He was keynoting on Bulletproof Coffee, I think, around that time, maybe even a couple of years before that, probably. And, uh, you know, that kind of changed to my dietary regimen, giving up kind of this big, heavy protein and carb shake in the morning, which was supposed to keep me full all the way through, you know, lunch. Never did, by the way, Uh, spiking my glucose, probably, or whatever. But um, so Bulletproof Coffee was really one of my first biohacks, I think, uh, one of the first things that I did to kind of change, um, you know, my nutritional regimen. And that helped me get into intermittent fasting and then eventually into three or, three, and five day water fasting occasionally. But Dave uh, eventually became a patient at Bowman Medical. He's one of our most public patients, well known in the sphere of... Of health and wellness, obviously as a New York Times bestseller, and you know all of his followers there, you know through social media and his podcast, obviously one of the most prolific podcasts for health and wellness. And um, so when he came in for his hair transplant, we talked about you know what. He wanted in terms of uh, a hairline. And he went through a whole scalp makeover process uh, with my trichology team. And then we put him through the hair transplant process to restore the hairline and put him on a path to maintain, enhance, and restore his hair so that he can look amazing when he turns
1: 180. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, right.
0: um, so so Dave is, uh, you know, is uh, I'm a big fan and, uh, you know, of course, uh, as a patient of mine who's very public about his results and what he accomplished with it, um, you know, it's been very, very helpful to us to help others who are kind of contemplating, you know, maybe going through a hair transplant procedure, but don't really know what it's all about. So they can look up Dave's experience and his story and how he went through it and also how he recovered basically in half the time as a normal patient, you know, as you can imagine, he knows how to biohack it, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, no doubt. And, uh, so where's the best place for people to find and learn more about, um, bomb medical.
0: Yeah. The, the, the most important thing to do if someone is out there and they think that they're either at risk for hair loss or they've seen it personally, either in the shower, in the drain, or they're looking at themselves in the mirror with a receding hairline, less coverage of the scalp for the women or men with long hair, weaker ponytail volume, or some kind of a change to their hair that they don't like. The most important thing to do is to start early, take action, don't wait, because early intervention is always going to be uh, profoundly more impactful when it started uh you know sooner rather than later obviously that early intervention is is critical so you can go on the website at baumanmedical.com b-a-u-m-a-n medical.com you can find me on also all the social media platforms too but if you go to the website there's thousands of pages of information that i've personally written over the past 25 years all about hair loss there's hundreds of hours of videos i promise you you won't get bored of those mm-hmm. if you're interested in hair Um, And of course, you know, dozens of podcasts and interviews, uh, interviews in in the media, as well as uh, traditional media, as well as electronic media. So you can kind of get a handle on how things have changed over time. But then the next most important step is to schedule that consultation. And even if you're not local to South Florida, we can start your hair restoration journey through a virtual consultation, just like I'm talking to you today, Brian, on Zoom. We do every single day, start patients with their journey learning about their situation, looking at their photos, examining their hair uh, through virtual consultations. And nearly 50% of my patients will start their journey through that virtual consult from their home or phone. Uh, but of course, if you're coming down to South Florida, you want to make a visit to us. We've got a 12,000 square foot facility, 35 team members to help you. And me, of course, as long as well as uh, lots of technology to help measure your hair, to track your hair loss over time, make sure you're getting great results uh, no matter what. You know, you've got to take a uh, strong action early, get measurements, get benchmarked, and then put a sophisticated plan together. You know, whether it's regenerative or non-invasive or surgical, you know, let's, let's figure out what you need and get you to the end of that journey.
1: Excellent. Excellent. Well, I appreciate you coming out and, and maybe this has enlightened some people to take a look if they, they want to learn more about you, or if there's some uh, group in their area that they want to check out and learn more about uh, but I'll put links in the show notes for, you know, obviously uh, everything you do. So I appreciate uh, you coming on the podcast today and sharing all this knowledge.
0: Well, Brian, it's really been great. And uh, hopefully we can impart that information to your listeners, your followers. And uh, like I said, if anybody has a question at any time, you can always reach me uh, through social media or even like I said, at com slash ask. And you can just ask your question about hair loss right there and uh, get a hold of me. And of course I'll respond through my team and and get you the information that you need. But it's been great to be with you, Brian. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Thanks, Alan, for coming on. Thanks for listening to the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. I understand there are millions of other podcasts out there and you've chosen to listen to mine, and I appreciate that. Check out the show notes at briangrin.com for everything that was mentioned in this episode. Feel free to subscribe to the podcast and share it with a friend or family member that's looking to get their body back to what it once was. Thanks again, and have a great day.